doing, and apparently I've only just barely realized anything whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Join us on our journey. <laughs> my name is Jeremy. I'm, and my name is Colby. And uh, what I'm specifically referencing is uh, we did have this semi-elaborate setup for recording the podcast, and uh, recently, thanks to some listener feedback, I realized something was somewhat amiss. So in exploring the app that we're using, Sound Recorder on the iPad, um, we discovered that uh, part of the reason that it sounded a little bit more like the microphone was only pickle picking up pickling. The microphone was pickling. I don't pickle me. I would edit this out, but I don't edit. Uh, <laughs> it was only picking up Colby. Um, it's because it was only using the iPad microphone. And so, uh, because of time constraints, that's, uh, that's how it's going to sound again tonight. But we have a slightly more logical setup understanding this, and so now it should sound at least a little more like both of us are there instead of just me. In theory. Anyway, um, you're also a lot louder than I am. Most of the this time. Is true. No, your voice just carries more. Well, anyway, the point is, I got that booming bass. Yeah, right? Some of that Megan Trainer. Hopefully tonight <laughs> will be, or th tonight, this episode will be the last one that sounds like neither one of us are in front of a microphone or whatever um, until we get this whole thing figured out. So uh, that's that's where we're starting because this is this has been the last 45 minutes of our life. <laughs> so, Colby, I've actually been waiting a little while uh, to tell you about something. Um, okay. I read, now, we've talked a lot in the past about... Um, about like uh, steampunk and it's a lot of fun to uh kind of be an elitist sometimes i love steampunk i know and, but you also consider I, I feel like you consider yourself a bit of an authority on it and then also i really like making fun of you when i i know that you're super right about it but then i <laughs> try to like plant seeds of doubt and then also when i know that you're not and then but you can never tell when i'm crying wolf <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'm an asshole. Um, so anyway, I came across something that I thought that you would find particularly interesting because of it. And it's an article that it was one of the 40 that I have floating around on my Google Chrome. Like, when I'm just mindlessly surfing the internet, I'll find something that I think is interesting, but I'm not interested in actually reading it at the moment. So I'll open it in a Google Chrome page, and then it just sits there like a graveyard. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and like I said, this is one of 40. Um, so it's this article, and I'm going to put a link to it in the thing so you guys can click it and read it if you want, that discusses a more optimistic side of sci-fi Okay. called Solar Punk. Okay. So this, uh, this article was written on a site called ZYC Beyond. Author is Tom, I'm going to butcher this, so sorry, Tom Kassowers. And, uh, oh, this is actually called Ozzy, and I'm a troglodyte. Uh, anyway, it's the Daily <laughs> Dose, and uh, I mean, the article was just released in, in January, in late January, so it, it hasn't been marinating for that long. Uh, as we record this, we've only just broken into April, so whatever. Um, but yeah, so imagine a scene set in the future where a child... In Burning Man-style punk clothing is standing in front of a yurt powered by solar panels. There weren't many books with scenes like that in 2014 when Serena Ulibari, an editor, first grew interested in a genre of science fiction that imagine, imagines a renewable and sustainable future. Four years later, it's different. 
And it goes on to just kind of discuss how the editor themselves finds that, quote, solar punk for me is a reaction against dystopian science fiction. Uh, so it, it indeed creates a dystopian future in, by the definition of that word. Um, but I feel like it's just a little bit more optimistic. Well, I, from what I know of uh, solar punk, solar punk is, isn't dystopian. It is very utopian. Uh, it, is, it is very much the idea that you can create an egalitarian culture. One where the technology, the direction of society, and the people have all moved to a direction where things can work together. And it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting subset of a, a particular brand of science fiction known as speculative fiction, which is a fantastic one. There's a lot of really great novels out there. And a and lot speculative of really great fiction would be something that um, would essentially attempt to predict the future. Essentially, yeah. It, it's analyzing where our technology, our society, the things that we're going to be doing can lead. Uh, probably uh, one of the most famous ones is probably Star Trek. Star Trek is speculative fiction. It looks at the future a few hundred years in, in our own timeline and says, what could society be like? Uh, one of my favorites is, uh, there's actually a lot, You, one thing you find, there's a lot of s fantasy that ends up being speculative fiction. Like, you oftentimes see something like uh, Planet of the Apes is technically speculative fiction, because the big twist that we've been on Earth the whole time is saying that somewhere in the future, this is what happens. This is where our current path of technology leads us. Okay. Yeah, and what was it? Um, now, I didn't watch too many of the originals, but it was something to the effect of, uh, in, in some of the more recent films, um, like the progenitor of the more intelligent apes, um, hailed from Kali Ma, and they went to Kali Ma, and they pulled back the vegetation, and it was actually a sign that said, Caution Live Animals, and it was the spaceship that, like, the progenitor ape uh, was on, and it, he turned out to be, like, Mar Mark Wahlberg's, like, oh, in, or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, in the, uh, in the movie that was Shit, produced, spoilers! In the movie that was produced <laughs> with, uh, a couple years ago, yeah, that was one of those. Uh, and then in the more recent series of movies uh, that rebooted it again... Uh, it was actually the production of... Oh, this was another reboot then? Yeah, yeah. There, It, it has since been rebooted since that movie. Uh, and it much more, much more successfully, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and this one was looking at the idea that they genetically engineered uh, apes that ended up being as smart as people. Well, that's, that's what the... Um, that's what this one did, too. Yeah, but this was set, like, in modern times. Like... This wasn't, like, left to a far-flung planet. This was on our own Earth and, like, analyzed... It, it showed the process of that shift from uh, regular apes to this one genetically modified ape to an entire society of them. And speculative fiction like that, it is oftentimes dystopian. Uh, because a lot of times speculation leads to problems. Like, the idea of speculating, it's much easier to imagine something going wrong than it is for something to go right. Right. 
Uh, and speculative fiction is oftentimes a venue for analyzing what is scary in our society or places that people think things are going to go wrong. And that's one of the really interesting things about solar punk as an idea is that it is... <coughs> it is a sneeze. It is It is very... So if you hadn't said that, I'd have been able to cut it out, but now you just ruined it. You can cut out me saying that, too. You no, can cut out this whole conversation. It has to stay. Okay. But, yeah, it is very optimistic. It is saying that rather than failing and falling to all of these potential problems, what if we actually figure this out? Uh, and one of the other really interesting things about it is that it specifically marries the ideas of technology and ecology, that there is a balance uh, between technology taking over and our role in nature, whereas a lot of speculative fiction says that the technology is just going to take over. That's a common theme in a lot of dystopian and especially speculative fictions. Right. Well, and also apparently it's considered under the umbrella of eco-fiction as a literary genre, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, like, anytime you find like a particularly egalitarian society in any kind of fiction... It is usually depicted in some manner that is very at peace or at balance with nature. There's very much uh, a trend to the idea that nature is balanced, that nature is, well, natural. And finding a way to connect with that and balance that is what will find it, bring a balance to humanity. I don't necessarily as aspire to that. 100% myself. Uh, I mean, nature be a scary fucking place, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> nature be scary, yo. But, no, there's definitely something to be said of the idea that we need to find a balance to things. So, um, there's, I've, I'm just doing some, like, quick internet searching here while we're discussing this, and I found a particular website that discusses solar punk, and this was just updated in early February. Okay. So, I mean, this is a very alive movement as we talk about it right now. Yeah, I mean, it's only less than 10 years old now, right. I think. And I just want to, and I'm going to put a link to this website in here in the thing as well so, so that, again, everybody can kind of follow along here. Um, but I just want to read a small excerpt from the site that I found from this particular author um, who go by, goes by the name of Jay. I think that's their Tumblr name. It does look to be their Tumblr name. So, uh, Jay says, solar punk is a movement in speculative fiction. That sounds really familiar. Almost like there's a parrot in the room or something. <laughs> uh, art, fashion, and activism that seeks to answer and embody the question, what does a sustainable civilization look like and how can we get there? The aesthetics of solar punk merge the practical with the beautiful, the well-designed with the green and wild, the bright and colorful with the earthly, or excuse me, earthy and solid. Solar punk can be utopian, just optimistic, or concerned with the struggles en route to a better world, but never dystopian. So I think that's an extremely important distinction. And as our world roils with calamity, we need solutions, not warnings. Solutions to live comfortably without fossil fuels, to equitably manage scarcity and share abundance, to be kinder to each other and to the planet we share. At once a vision of the future, a thoughtful provocation, and an achievable lifestyle in progress. And I think that's a really beautiful way to put it, and and honestly inspires me to want to dive even further down the rabbit hole, 
and I'm looking at some of the artwork that, and it's like, ah. it's just this beautiful, it's almost like, God help me for using a giant high fantasy mallet to smash all over a new movement. It's like the elves took over. But yes. like, like, like the bright and shiny elves, not the bastard elves who think they're better than everything that walks on the planet. Well, that makes that, this utopian society. That does make a lot of sense because elves are oftentimes presented in fiction as being significantly more connected to nature um, and being significantly more egalitarian, at least in within their own society. The the idea that every elf is valuable and has a place. Now, if you're not an elf, they don't give a shit, but. Other aspects of solar punk include a quasi-utopian setting usually 20 minutes into the future. <laughs> with, with the occasional crystal spires and togas and even sometimes petting zoo animals that are biogenetic engineered or not to add weirdness or other unwanted proposed elements. I mean, there's just... Yeah, it's it's definitely a Oh, fascinating... and there's like comic book examples, fan works, films, uh-huh. like, oh man, this could go on for... Oh, oh yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely fascinating. And one of the interesting things about it is like a lot of punk movements, there's a heavy aesthetic element that illustrates it. And uh, in some of the reading I've done about it, uh, solar punk has heavy influence of African and uh, Asian architecture and art elements to we, them. We could all get a little more Asian architecture in our lives. Yeah, but like it's, it's my hum- humble opinion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's very it's very much rooted in the idea that. African and Asian cultures are both ones that counterpoint to most Western cultures have kept their connections to tradition and uh, their natural roots. Uh, It's actually something that's really uh, a really interesting connection for for anybody who wants to look at an example of like uh, essentially one of the subgenres of fiction that solar punk is and represents is an idea called futurism. And if you've ever looked at different punk genres, like if you've ever looked at uh, steampunk or diesel punk or cyberpunk, all these are uh, in the subgenre of futurism, looking at a potential where what if technology didn't change from this thing? Like we still have computers, but they're powered by little steam jets or instead of electricity and uh things like that everything still ran off of diesel engines and things like that and a really interesting example in really really recent pop culture is black panther black panther is an excellent example of what they call afrofuturism which is analyzing a very technologically and socially advanced society whose technology and culture are both heavily ingrained in traditional African culture and aesthetic and technological advancement. And it's really amazing. So you feel like um, Black Panther fits that Afro-punk idea? Uh, not Afro-punk, but specifically Afro-futurism. Or Afro-futurism. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's the idea... That's just, I'm sorry, that just sounds racist. And Anything that includes the phrasing Afro, like I get. Well, in this it case, it is African. literally African. Like, yeah, but it's always, it's almost always used in a derogatory sense, so it threw me off a little. I understand, but yeah, no. In, in this case, it's not. It's legitimately looking at what if African society 
was able to make these technological leaps independent of Western culture, well, which mean, is what Wakanda represents. They have never been mining vibranium. That won't be a problem. Yeah, like they've they've never been uh, in, invaded or taken over by any other Western culture or Eastern culture or any culture really, other than other tribes within and around Wakanda who are vying for these resources. And so all of their culture is very heavily insular. Their culture has not been too heavily influenced by outside aesthetics, outside morals, outside Which anything. is why you get something that looks like primitive Africa, but is the most technologically advanced society on the planet. Yes, because they, <laughs> they very heavily combine their incredibly advanced and abundant technology with their traditional uh techniques and aesthetics and uh, cultural bindings. And it's very uplifting and very interesting. And it's something that does show up in... It, it's, it's something that shows up in a lot of different places when you analyze different cultures taking over. Um, uh, for instance, in Cyberpunk. In Cyberpunk, one of the very distinct cultural concepts is that China is everywhere. China, in a lot of okay. cyber in a lot of cyberpunk media, China is seen as sort of having taken over everything. Because like especially when Cyberpunk was becoming big, we were still very much in the middle of the Cold War. So one of those dystopian threats was that China was going to take over and Chinese culture was going to just dominate the whole planet. Uh, for those of you who don't know, cyberpunk is a, a specific genre that focuses on a dystopian future where companies and corporations have essentially taken the place of governments in controlling and regulating the world. It generally goes along with hyper-advanced cybernetics, like cybernetic augmentation to the human body, as well as uh, deep interconnectivity of pretty much all technology, uh, heavily based in uh, a near fully digital world as well. Like the idea that you have a digital world where people can go and interact as well as the physical world, or that people are able to like actually sync up with a computer, connect to it. Uh, Demolition Man. Demo a little bit Demolition Manny, a little bit uh, Matrixy. Like the idea that you can sort uh, not I robot so much Terminator. <laughs> so all of all of these definitely have a heavy speculative fiction, especially I Robot. Uh, the movie doesn't do Chappy. I, I was gonna say shit. That movie was funny. <laughs> I, it actually doesn't fit at all. No, but it's uh, well, yeah. yeah. But no, uh, it's a fun ass movie. I Robot definitely has some elements of it, and while it doesn't portray it very well, it's actually very heavily based on some of. The first forays into uh, what do you mean it doesn't portray it very well? Well, it it's are we it's, gonna fight? It's not a bad movie, but it does not portray the. Never made me want to eat sweet potato pie as bad <laughs> as when Will Smith is taking a bite. Like Jesus, oh the sweet potato pie, and oh the Converse so vintage two thousand four. Now <laughs> let me ask you, um, uh, hot button warning, but let me ask you, where where would you shelf Firefly? Uh, okay, Firefly is interesting. Now let's be clear. It already has its own subgenre, so yeah, I'm not the, asking for you to like. I'm not asking for the the Wikipedia site. To yeah, be no, it, it can be but very just your much. Personal opinion. It, it, it's very heavily in the space cowboy genre, 
but I would say it it's not. You had to apply a punk to it. Uh, Which goes against everything punk. I get that. Leave it alone. No, no, no. It, it, it definitely works. I would probably place it most in. Uh, that's tough. Like, of of the ones I'm specifically I'm aware of. I feel like you're overthinking it. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, it has a lot of heavy diesel punk elements. Like, the idea of old technology. Like, very simple things like uh, at Kaylee as the mechanic, you know, she's just working on an engine. It's just an engine. Like, it's not described as, like, high technology, like a photon generator or anything. I mean, they it's, do get into it a little bit, but yeah, a little you're right. bit, but Generally it's, speaking, yeah, it's, it's, it's grease, it's a wrench, it's, it's an very, engine. It's very real-world technology that just happens to have been developed enough that it works. It's they, not about the technology. Right. It's just... It, it's a means to an end. It's a means to an end to have a way to travel through space. Uh, and it is it is a little bit diesel punk in that idea that it's it's very dirty. It's a world that is... Uh, it is very much a Western. It is. Hap- it's, it's considered a space Western. Yeah, that happens to mix in a couple elements of really gritty technology. Uh, and that's about it. It's a space Western that yeah. we got too little of. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a bit more technological space western, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is Which so Which they've been good. lying to us for years about uh, getting a live action. Give me Keanu Reeves as Spike. I would watch it. Especially uh, because he's, his popularity is starting to resurge. Yeah. I think we need to get a hold of Ryan Reynolds. Because I think that he knows how to get this shit done. Yeah. Um, I also... I, I've been saying for a while that I would love... Uh, I can't remember his name now. Jonah Hill. I think Jonah Hill would have been an, would be an amazing. Uh, can't remember his name now. The guy with the metal arm, Jet. He would be what? an amazing Jet. No, because he's he's all his characters are always frustrated but funny, and yeah. the biggest thing he would have to do is lose some weight and add some muscle. Well, guess what? Jonah Hill lost like hundred and twenty pounds and is jacked to shit now. He's also still five foot flat. The height. He. Do you know how? <laughs> Did you just have an aneurysm? Do you know how tall Robert Downey Jr. is? He's like five seven. He wears like six inch stilts. Yeah, he does. In order to be taller than the female leads that he's across from, <laughs> he can pull it off. I, I. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. Sure, yeah. but I just. I. I'm a little tired of. Um, uh, actors not having the right physicality for the characters like it just and i don't want to be a purist about it i'm fine with it for the most part but at the same time i would still like you know them to not have to wear six inch heels or to not be a foot and a half taller than wolverine actually is or you know yeah which i love hugh jackman as wolverine i don't like him so much as jimmy but i love him as wolverine but like i just he's not that tall yeah uh but no it's there's there's a lot of really interesting things with kind of all of the punk genres are really cool. They're they're all different elements of these futurism ideas. And most futurism is again kind of the opposite of the speculative fiction that solar punk was. It's very much a it's very nostalgic. Uh, everything about the punk genres are very nostalgic because it's looking at a period of time and saying that the 
the flaws and issues with this technology and or with these aesthetics could be gotten over and it would be worth it. Well, it's it's like people yeah. who it's like people who listen to vinyl. There are a lot of flaws with vinyl, but there are people who like the type of sound it produces. And some of that is nostalgia, but I think I think for new vinyl listeners, um, it's those same things that made people fall in love with it to begin with. Uh, yeah. A lot. The biggest thing I typically hear is the sound is warmer. It's not as like uh, robotic. It's not as overproduced, and I get that. But I think the thing that I love about solar punk is its optimism, is the idea of it being is it, of the of it staring directly at a utopian society and and not being afraid to say that's what we want. Yeah. And then I'm I'm having some difficulty discovering what um, the fashion is based on because like steampunk is like Victorian fashion right yeah and then um, uh, freaking other shits comes out of like the 80s well I was gonna say you, you, it, like cyberpunk comes well, out of the 80s cyberpunk comes like, out heavily out of the 70s and 80s um, diesel punk is based between like World War One, World War Two. Uh, if you've ever seen the Rocketeer or other things like that uh, after that, you get uh, yeah. One that I really like is Adam Punk. Adam Punk is who is Adam? A T O M. Atom Punk. Uh, you get a lot of stuff like Fallout. Fallout is very heavily Adam Punk. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a ton of 1950s noir involved in it. There's a ton of uh, like futuristic for the time, like ray guns and. Uh, 1950s architecture and art and culture. I involved. adore Adam Punk. It's just the coolest shit ever. It really is awesome. Uh, and it's it's weird because for a lot of people who are alive today, they lived through that. So it's not like even like steampunk where they're reviving something that was dead. People alive today lived through that. They know what it was like. So it's it, it's weird to see sort of these punk genres starting from. Things that are still around. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so that's what I'm saying, though. I don't really see... I'm, I'm having some difficulty finding where the basis in fashion... Uh, because, well, like, this is a rabbit hole that I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm about to fall down. <laughs> well, solar punk seems to really heavily base its stuff from what I've seen on, again, that sort of Afro-Asian aesthetic. Oh, yeah, you had mentioned... Yeah, there's a lot of, like... Yeah, there's a lot of like, well, it's dashiki. Like, I said it, it. It said in one. I'm gonna of your, get a dashiki, and it's gonna have solar panels on it. And it's gonna be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, your solar powered dashiki. It, it giant like glowing wings pop out the back at some point. No cell phone chargers. <laughs> Just cell phone chargers. Just like tentacles of cell phone chargers. <laughs> I swear to God, somebody's gonna rule thirty four. What I just said, and I'm not accepting of it. Uh, Tumblr, get on it. But don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know what I just created. Uh, but yeah, it. I mean, solar punk. Like even with what you read, it specifically said, it is. It is a reactionary genre. It is a genre that says, no, we have way too many people have said that the world is going to end in shit. Like everything is going to go wrong, uh, and we are saying it's going to go right. We're saying it's, it could go right, and, and why don't we focus is, more on the idea that things cannot just be good. Things can be fan-fucking-tastic if we just stop looking at the cesspool and go, fuck, 
It's growing! Instead of looking at the solution that drains the swamp, I went there, that drains the, the cesspool, and then fix the shit. I'm it's, sorry, man. You just, you, I, I guess you triggered me a little bit there. Like, that's what I love about, that's one of the things I'm loving about as I'm discovering more about this particular genre. I don't know that we've stayed on a particular topic of conversation this long in the history of this podcast, but <laughs> I don't care. Like, it just, it, it says we want things to be better, and we're making them better, and we're including it in our fantasy. Yeah. And well, it's just beautiful. Well, there is a really great one like that uh, that s goes a little bit different, and that's uh, cyber, hopefulness. Uh, cyber Prep. Uh, we had talked about this very briefly a little bit earlier, but Cyber Prep is, takes a lot of the same concepts as Cyberpunk, the idea of like neural connection to uh, technological networks, the, uh, the complete... Uh, can't think of this word uh like societal distribution of cybernetics their pe penetration societal penetration of cybernetics in people you in augmentation uh but it's the word it's what it represents Dude, are we still doing phrasing phrasing but was that yeah, copyright infringement but yeah the the societal adoption of cybernetics and human augmentation and it takes all those things the same as cyberpunk does, but it says things aren't going to go wrong. We're going to end up with all these like giant towering cities the same as uh, cyberpunk does, but they're going to be beautiful and glowing, and there's not going to be slums, and there's not going to be like dystopian resistance groups breaking into government military slash company complexes i mean i'm just like am i the only one who's envisioning i like a solar samurai at this point no i that's really cool i mean you really can't do much with soldier solar ninjas i mean you can they just wouldn't hide in the dark they would hide in yeah because there is no light. darkness there's no dark there they are they are the light but where there is so I much light, the light there must be shadow so, it, do they only come in pairs? What? No. Do they only come in pairs? There's one light one light ninja and one dark ninja? No, no. I'm just the saying... The light ninja creates the shadow for the dark ninja? Just, you're being an ass. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Uh, yeah. I, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't sitting here, like, skimming an article that I just need to close this window. Yeah. Or do that. Okay, now that window is hidden, and I will stop reading as you're talking well it it's also a little interesting because a lot of these ideas of a lot of these ideas especially when they involve culture from specific parts of the world they they tend to be toe the line of appropriation occasionally well appropriation like, is a really difficult thing especially for people i don't know if you're listening to this and you don't, and you're not by some miracle somebody that Colby or I know personally, Colby and I are both extremely Eastern European, like Scandinavian motherfuckers. So we try to be as aware of our privilege as we possibly can be. However, it runs deeper than either one of us could possibly ever comprehend. So I feel, and I feel like that gets in my way when I try to dissect what in the things that I enjoy are appropriated and, and 
this actually, you and I had a discussion about this recently because you were planning a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Yes. Uh, are, are planning a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. And when, in, of, in fact, what, when are we never, right? Yeah. We always are. Oh, gosh. Um, so the character, the character that I started to dream up for this, which I still would love to play and love to flesh out at some point, I was seriously concerned about my portrayal of that character, especially because this wasn't just going to be around a table where it was some close friends. We're going to record this. There's so, actually two different characters that you were considering playing for this campaign, that, both of whom well, one, you were concerned yeah. for, di- for, for very different, different reasons. reasons, but both of which you were very concerned about potentially portraying something in a very insensitive way. So one of them was, and I don't mind sharing this, and I encourage you, if you like what you hear, to take it and run with it. That's fine, whatever. But one of them was going to be a samurai. And, um, you know, I, I pulled some extremely strong Asian themes for some of the story elements for the character and his backstory. He was going to be known as the tiger that cracked the dragon. And uh, there was a whole thing with the, the student master aspect and, and that whole thing with that. But I really asked myself, how, what does this character's voice sound like? I enjoy giving very different voices to my characters as much as possible. And I really wanted to try and dive into an Asian accent. And I actually ended up settling on um, uh, a bastardized version of Phil Lamar's Samurai Jack. Okay. Because I listened to his... uh, I watched a video... I I would promise to put a link to this video in the thing, but I'm never going to find it again. I think I know the well, one you're talking about. If you can about. find it, send me the link and I'll put it in the thing. Is, is, uh, I, the one I saw... It's like 24 he, characters or something Yeah, he like went that. through a bunch of his different characters and like talked through how each of them developed. Yep. Yeah, I can probably and find it. he said that you. he settled on like a light Japanese accent over an American kind of voice, which worked really well for Samurai Jack, and I was just going to listen to a holy motherfucked of Samurai Jack. But you were going to do that anyways. I was going to do that anyways, but I was actually going to pay attention to the way he said certain things... And then use that. But I, I ended up not going with that character because I came up with another idea. And of course, now this was a little more... This this should have been way more obvious that I was towing a line that I needed to not go near. Um, but the... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to play a barbarian. And I looked at the aspects of the totem in the 5th edition of a totem, totem barbarian. The totem barbarian? Shut up. <laughs> And, uh, I'm just, now I'm just picturing that an aspect of the toad. I'm gonna write it up. No, I, I, there was a, there was a, an ability. There was a feat in 3.5 called Brachium. You remember that? Yes. So I'm seeing this barbarian like just running through a city, or running through a forest. Almost parkour like leaping exactly from one thing to like another. that. And so I wanted to build that into the aspect of the ape. And so we're, this was a homebrew, and I ha- I'm pretty sure I have it written up somewhere. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm positive that I do. And I may play it at some point. And he was going to use a spear, which was bad enough. And then I was, I was like, I was trying to think of his voice. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking maybe like an African accent. And then the look that Colby gave me. Should have been my first clue, or at least my second. Oh, my head he almost like, like spun. And he's like, hey, man, maybe you don't do that if you're going aspect of the ape. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, just, like two and two didn't equal four there for me because it wasn't an equation that I even was considering considering looking at. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you semi naturally associated those things together, and that's where it becomes dangerous. Like, 
from... No, it wasn't even that, because I had gone through about 45 other iterations of voices that I wanted to use, and that was just one that I had never done before, and that I thought might be really cool for the character... I just totally abandoned that character altogether. <laughs> I'm not even going there. Like I, this the guy that I'm using. The guy that I'm actually planning on using. I'm still probably going to be appropriating some of his cultural aspects. Um, it's it's it, it's impossible. But to... thematically, thematically, and hopefully not insultingly. And plus, yeah. he's probably just going to end up British <laughs> because high fantasy. I was going to say it's it, in a lot of ways. Uh, anytime you get involved in sort of the like Dungeons and Dragons and creating characters, it's hard to avoid being influenced by cultural perceptions. And there stereotypes are stereotypes at that. Well yes, and it's but there are absolutely things where like we associate certain characteristics uh in people with certain races and certain cultural backgrounds and certain pantheons of gods and certain things that we know from history. And I think a really good example is this. I I was watching people playing through. If you know the original, like Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah. Uh, the characters in that are horribly racist. Oh, I bet that's right. Uh, like one of them is named Vodka Drunkinsky. Oh fuck me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the Russian, believe it or not. I don't think you had to explain that to anybody. Uh, and. Like, the Asian character literally just speaks in random, like, Japanese words, but not in Japanese. Like, he just says, like, sushi, Honda, kimono, and things like that. Horribly racist. Uh, And then I watched people playing through the Punch-Out! remake that was on, I believe, the Wii. Yeah. And in that, rather than being horrible racial stereotypes, they are characters. And, like, they're very endearing. And while they do carry a lot of the the elements of their very racist caricatures from before, the element of creating a character that happens to have some of these traits versus creating a trope that is nothing but those traits yeah. is important. And that's, if you're ever doing any kind of writing or creating a character... Understanding the difference between a trope and a cliche is important. And it really does come down to the difference between only having that thing to stand on. Like, if if your entire character is, he's gay, that's probably a really bad character. <laughs> and, it, and not even because... Bad character design, yeah. Not even because they're gay, but just because that's a bad, flat, boring character. Right. But if you create a character who is interesting and is gay and you just use that as an element to create interesting... To add a layer. Yeah, Yeah. another layer. Give interesting development. Give the stew a little more flavor. Exactly. That's very different. I like food metaphors. Yeah, it's, it's the difference between having a character in something that is just there to be a representation. It's the difference between having a black character... And having a token black character. Yeah. In fiction. Or in anything. There's a big difference. And I'm not... I'm not a professional writer. I am not... I am basically... This is just one humble man's observation that I I happen to agree with. Yeah. And keep in mind, I am basically no... I am no marginalized group. I just... 0% 0% marginalization. Well, there's a, there's a rumor... Well, every white person that lives in our area is part Native American. Because that's just cool. Yeah. 
it's they're not for the most part like no <laughs> like i i know for a fact i'm not because my mom took a genetic test and came back with none she swears it's not true <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, a conspiracy. Oh, yeah. She was super excited until she got it back. And then she was suddenly like, oh, but you know, identical twins have done these and got back different answers. And I'm like, mom. Well, okay. There okay, is one for her. There Maybe is. She needs a second opinion. Maybe. But she's not going to get it now that's because her her illusion has been shattered. Yeah, that's a fair point. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, but, so anyway, yeah, I'm probably just going to end up. Um, like, the guy that I'm using uh, is a homebrew warlock as we discussed yeah and his patron is going to be a genie that's gonna be a lot of fun and his first name is cairo okay i mean it's it's a little tropey it, it is but again but i like, really like that name it's probably gonna come up again also yeah. and the next time that i use the name Raphael is probably gonna have a french accent if i can pull that off there's just right. certain you know i but i'm allowed to do that because i'm white <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right? Is that how that works? I, I don't know. I have no answers. I have lots of questions, very few answers. I hear that, man. That is that yeah, is way like, too true. Yeah, there's there are so many there's so many interesting things you can do with this. Uh, you literally just you may that that might be the most staticky vocal static I've ever heard you say. Yeah, um, there's lots of interesting things. The, there's there's so sure, man. I said there's so many interesting things you can do with this this idea of futurism the ideas of speculative fiction yeah i mean they've even gone so far as to create entire game shows out of the idea of what is steampunk because that's been the most popular one which is pretty fucking obvious why yeah there's a lot of like subgenres of the subgenre but there can steampunk, be yeah. no there are we even touched on oh, quite a few of them well here. those are we let's be real can we be subgenres honest? of steampunk we've stuck but we've, here's the thing I get what you're saying. They technically exist within their own parameters. They're subgenres of steampunk. Because steampunk uh, is, the, is the gateway drug to all uh, punks. And you know it. I, I'd say cyberpunk is separate. Cyberpunk is very much its own. It that a lot of people. I was going to say, a lot of people are introduced to cyberpunk uh, in ways that they don't know the genre. Like, uh, Blade Runner is a huge example where tons of people watch Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. Don't know what it is. Um, a ton of people at least know of Isaac Asimov and the Three Laws of Robotics. Again, through something like iRobot. Yeah. Uh, a ton of people have watched The Matrix, which Bioshock. is... Bioshock. Where would you put that? Bioshock That's is... Rough. Uh, Bioshock, I would say, is... Submarine punk. Uh, it, I Marine would, punk. I would place that somewhere between um, diesel punk what? and... Diesel punk and atom punk. It has a ton of uh, Bioshock. It's a first-person shooter. Well, yes, but <laughs> uh, Bioshock has a ton of elements of like 1940s and 50s society. Right. Uh, it has a ton of aesthetic of like the glass and metal and Art Deco stylings, which are heavily diesel punk. Uh, a lot of the technology is heavily based on uh, like mold diving suits. Yo, and, this is gonna uh, fuck you up. It's called hydropunk. I, I believe that. What? Yeah. Like, there is... There there will be a subset for everything, but of the ones I was familiar, familiar with, it definitely... It it falls away from steampunk because it's much later technology than just steam. 
Uh, there's... All right, wait, wait. Let me... Okay, so I'm actually reading, and this will probably be a thing I'll have to put in the thing. I'm reading The Escapist. Okay. okay. And there, this is like a Tumblr kind of thing. Yeah. So somebody asked for a uh, d- distinction between the two. And one of the answers is that Rapture is Art Deco. Yes. So that's from Bioshock, Bioshock 2, yeah. and um, Infinite. If I'm not so much Infinite. Infinite isn't uh, Infinite Art isn't Deco. Infinite is Rapture? Uh, no, that's set in uh, a different place. Oh, that's Columbia. Columbia, yeah. Yeah, my bad. That's Aeropunk. Yeah, that, yeah that's uh, and heavily colonial. Uh, that's he- heavily colonial in its aesthetics. And inspiration. Now, someone else suggested that it would be biopunk slash dieselpunk hybrid. And infinite is looking like steampunk. Yeah. It's, slash uh, aeropunk, I would yeah. say, yeah. Aer- aeropunk a lot of times is a well, steampunk well, thing because, like, airships these... and things like that are so heavily... Yeah, but in which of these do the biological enhancements come in? That's more cyberpunk than anything else. Uh, well, but but while they're... Bio- they're but that's just the thing. They're biological enhancements. They're not, like, cybernetic enhancements, necessarily. They are very crude they are things like they're not crude at all. Well, they're they're crude in the idea that it's not like it's not cybernetics, it's not electronic. Uh like it's very crude like welding of like blades to arms. It's surgical and it's uh biological instead of technological a lot of the time. That's fair. So, um there's a lot of consensus Rapture is more diesel punk. The exaggeration so, of the yeah, 30s right and 40s style yeah. and technology with Nazi super science. There, there we yeah. go. And there's no such thing as hydropunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, like, a lot of people like to make separations between the punks based on, like, the the aesthetic of it. Like, what actual, like, the setting. Like, since it's underwater, it's hydropunk instead. And that's not necessarily Well, but it's also thing. suggested that hydropunk would be more of a 20s-style tech on steroids. I could see that. Um, also, that was totally made up. Also, someone said it's awesome punk. So, I, but I, but again, I'm I, gonna go. I'm, I'm right. It's a mixture of biopunk and shock punk. <laughs> what the fuck? Bioshock. It's I, I got it. The name. I, I got it. Uh, but no, there's a lot of these things don't have like incredibly. There's guidelines, rig- but there's yeah. no rules. There's no. I mean, they unless again, you're a purist, because then that's. The but thing. but even then, purism. They these are, they're. There Ooh, is... Wait, 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 wait. Bioshock is Raygun Gothic. The slick, curvy designs and pseudo-futuristic aesthetic lends itself from a time in American history where we had finally figured out that the greatest innovation that humanity has invented had yet to be discovered. Hence why I said a combination between Adam Punk and Diesel Punk. I like that Raygun it, Gothic. That's yeah, fun. It, uh, it, yeah, I would, I would agree. Well, I, it, I would say more uh, Diesel. You said Diesel, Yeah, you? Diesel Punk with a little bit of Adam Punk for that, like... The yeah. curvy, uh, yeah. streamlined nature of everything. Uh, and again... Uh, Shit, I gotta not... go buy the collection so I can play yeah. that again. Yeah, but like there there aren't hard delineations between... Uh, oh, I just fucking closed that, there, stupid ass. Control, uh, control shift T. I don't even have to, it was right there. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there aren't hard delineations between eras. People like... Well, you're right, but then when you look at something as a game show... 
then they have to set hard lines. And the beautiful thing about it, oh God, some of the stuff that I, as I, of course, I watched some of these. Okay, I've never and, seen these. Before. Oh man, there's so much fun. There was one that I watched where they were designing like rooms, mm-hmm. and they had to design automatons, and they had to design like. Oh, and okay. I actually had a um, my uh, uh, the time traveling. Were you there for that? Um, uh, no. Hold I was on, shush, shush. Were you there for the? It was it was a Pathfinder adventure. No. You weren't. Oh, no. you missed the boat, bro. I played a time something or other, I think. Yeah, she was. She controlled time. Forget her name. No, I was not here for this. No, I know you weren't. Uh, but <laughs> she she was based off of... Um, she was inspired by this show where they were creating like the infamous like Lady in the Tower okay. kind of situation. All right. Totally who she was. She lived up in a clock tower and like she was... Yeah, uh, she was an assassin and it was like... It was super hardcore. Oh, speaking of clock, real quick. Another fun one, a really old one, is uh, Clockpunk, which is based on like renaissance era clockwork technology and like no even steam power it's just clockwork it's really cool that's really neat that is super cool but yeah so they uh they they there was this game show where they had to create their version of that room okay and they created their character Mm -hmm. and then proceeded to create the room to match the character okay so it's like a it's it's a design competition essentially essentially yeah yeah i'm gonna have to see if i can find it if i can remember what it is so that i can share it with you and then also um the people listening uh but there's, I mean, they're on Netflix, and they're, it's just tons of fun, man. Gotcha. Ridiculous fun. And watching, and what I love a lot about it, steampunk specifically, is because of how widespread it is, there are a lot of individuals who are very good at fabricating, yeah. who come up with some really wicked shit, and I can't. What? So it's really cool yeah. to see. One of the really interesting things that I like about uh, steampunk in particular as a genre, is that because it's so heavily based on a an era of the Victorian era, yeah. there's a lot of things that people don't automatically think about that are technically steampunk. Like, Ex- samurai? Examples? Samurai are technically steampunk. Explain. Because the samurai era didn't end until the mid to late 18... or the mid-1800s in Japan. Even when they were beginning to phase out in uh, in the shift towards guns and other militaries samurai still existed Uh, a really fun example i saw was when you look at the different eras the idea that you have a disgraced former samurai an an african colonial hunter a western cowboy and a pirate from the caribbean all on the same D D adventure is completely logical yeah because these eras that we so disassociate in our minds are very much together uh, similarly, you have, like, you can have, like, an African hunter in, like, the traditional, like, canvas colors and sort of uh, Van Pelt from uh, Jumanji-ish. That guy yeah. would very much fit in a steampunk setting. He uh, just wouldn't have the gears and shit. Not necessarily, but he could because the idea is that you've augmented all the different aspects of society with these specific aspects of the culture. Treasure Island! Tre- uh Treasure Island is just fantasy, but Bull. Treasure Planet... That's what I meant! I thought so. Fuck! Oh, dude, Treasure Planet is very... It might very, be my favorite Disney movie ever, by it, the way. It's up there. Uh, it's not... A lot of people didn't, like, it didn't have the fanfare I think it deserved. I agree, it's it's wonder- well, especially because Johnny Resnick did the goddamn vocals for uh, for the song, yeah. for the B song. Oh, uh, it's just, that movie is fantastic. That is very much... It's very steampunk in its aesthetic, but 
but it's advanced, also spacey. But it, it, it's steampunk advanced to space age. So it is steampunk. So it's steampunk it taken is, a little further than yeah, what you even, expect it to be. Even further than we normally see. It's, it is, uh, it's taking the, the Victorian futurism that is steampunk to a speculative Victorian future. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It, oh, God, I love that. Yeah, it, it is really cool. So it is steampunk. It is very much using those things, but just advancing it a little bit more. It probably doesn't have a singular solid fit. There's probably a, there's a little bit of yeah, atom a punk. A little bit of this, a little, a little bit, bit of that, of that for sure. Yeah. Because you almost have to have, because there's no way that steam is going to be powerful enough to propel spaceships. Yeah, it, and it's why a lot of steampunk ends up taking elements of, like, uh, Nikola Tesla. Like, there's a lot of, like, electricity and Tesla coils going on. Even I think though, that's one of my favorite things about the Tesla coil and yeah. about Nikolai Tesla is, or Nikola, or however Nikola. you want to say his name, yeah. uh, is that no matter what we're talking about, his work is going to be part of it. Yeah. And so fuck you, Edison. <laughs> we all know that you're a charlatan and that you stole the real man's work. Yeah. And, uh, and also... Uh, if I can bring this back around to D&D a little bit more, it's mm-hmm. part of the reason why in the futurism campaign that we are playing in, yeah. that my dwarf is wielding a Tesla coil inside of a hammer. Yeah. Um, that is a as super, a Tempest cleric. Oh, that is a super fun campaign. Um, my, back to it. my character in that, I love so much, and I have not gotten to play him enough. Uh, he is a dark, he is a Dorgar, he is a dark dwarf, black metal bard yeah he's so much fun i've only gotten to play him once and i love him yeah it's a a freaking blast and i actually talked with the dungeon master and had an opportunity i'm going to be creating um a portable shield generator Ooh. so because of how like tinkery this character is even though it's not necessarily his class per se yeah he, but, um... Oh, and, and in that, we also have a goblin arms dealer that's fascinating. Oh, he's so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I love, I love that campaign so much, and I want to be able to play it more. We need to get a hold of the GM and, and see about that. We Our whole play group, like, we do this every couple of weeks, and it bums me out. We've gone yeah. weeks without playing. Yeah. Fucking it's, lives and shit. I was gonna say, it's what happens when we can't play until 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I have to be up at 7 in the morning. Yeah. Some people need to consider a career change. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm gonna be, <laughs> Not just you. Well, yeah, you're gonna, actually one of the main culprits. I'm going to be getting out of work at like 7 here soon. That's great. It's not going to stop Jesse and Kelsey from not getting out of work until 10. That's true. And I'm still going to have to go and get Jasmine from work. She's, <laughs> you need, she needs to find another job that will pay her $17 an hour. You need a fucking taxi is what you need. Taxis are fucking expensive. <laughs> We've already talked about why she won't drive. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I just... But yeah, not... D&D takes precedence. D&D is awesome. I, I I love RPGs in general. I know we've talked about this last week, but... When are we going to play Shadowhunter? Uh, Shadow, Shadowrun. Shadowrun? Oh, dude. Uh, since we're talking about different genres, if you haven't... If you like anything about fantasy and if cyberpunk anything interests you, uh, Shadowrun is a setting and a world that combines the two... Uh, in what they call, hey, another punk, elf punk. Uh, I'll put a link to the wiki, and yeah. then you can kind of go from there if you want. But yeah, Shadowrun imagines a world where in around the 80s or 90s, I believe it was, all of a sudden, in our real world, magic erupted and existed. 1989. Yeah, uh, so yeah. In in the late 80s, 
Couldn't be more in between the 80s and 90s if yeah. you tried. So, <laughs> so magic suddenly existed. and Actually, people... it takes, but it takes place several decades in the future. Yes. Uh, and so magic exists now out of nowhere. Um, and it's, it is used to rapidly advance technology. It takes a lot of the regular tropes of the cyberpunk genre. Yo, let and me com- stop you right And there. combines them with, like... Magic, magic, and different races. There are t- trolls and dwarves and ogres and elves. It's awesome. You know how this was born? This was born of people sitting around going, "Man, let me let me, let me get back to it." For yeah. Just hang on. The end of the Mesoamerican long count calendar. Yeah. That's that's where this was supposed to have started. Do you know what that was? That was a couple of friends sitting around going, yo, this is supposed to be the end of the world. We all know it's bullshit, but what if? Yeah. And then they made like one of the most successful game franchises ever. Um, yeah. It says that it ushered in the sixth world with once mythological beings, for example, dragons, appearing in forms of magic, suddenly emerging. Yeah. Uh, it actually inspired one of the D&D settings that I, want, that I started a campaign for and never went anywhere. Why does this always happen to us? I blame you. <laughs> it's usually my fault. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating world. And again, there is another term for that, elf punk. Where you they combine fantasy with uh, like the real world. So if if anyone has seen the movie Bright on Netflix, that's elf punk. Fuck the critics. That movie was amazing. And there was definitely problems. It was it was not what I expected in a good way. I liked I what it did, but it had a lot of problems. You have a lot of problems. It, yes, I do. But then that movie had a lot of problems. You're full of shit. It incorporates both cyberpunk and urban fantasy. Yep. I mean, it had a lot of problems. It had a lot like, of problems. What? The storyline made no fucking sense. Except it made perfect sense. <laughs> it made no fucking sense. It was look, utterly linear. Except that none of the background information that pushed any of those things forward made any fucking sense. If they had just... That statement doesn't make any sense. If, if, they, had, if they had stopped trying to give me exposition and just let the story happen, it would have been fine. But they kept trying to explain why these things were showing up and their explanations made things worse. Yeah, but they didn't. <laughs> And they spend so much time with one character just sort of sitting there telling everyone in the room who should have known all these things already what these things were. It got really distracting. That's a fair point. <laughs> but that's the only fair point that you've made. <laughs> and some of, I feel like some of it would have... You, gotta be, you, gotta, you can't think of things from a, the position of a person who understands the fantasy genre. But I was saying, like, even from someone who did understand the fantasy genre, the things they were saying didn't make sense. And I do understand fantasy. No, you, but that's what you're missing. That's my point. Because you understand it, you're like, stop talking to me like I'm in second grade. But, but no. they had to do that so that everybody else who doesn't <laughs> exist in this world could look at this movie and go, oh yeah, I can watch Except that. Except that way too many people agree that it made no sense. Well, they're, you're all wrong. <laughs> I just like, you're if s- it makes sense to me, how can it not make sense to especially you, let alone anyone else? Be- what didn't make sense? You don't remember the movie well enough yeah, to say so. No, yes, I do. It, there were a lot of things where I could... Don't give me the, I could a draw, lot of stuff is a lot of things. No, I could draw a connection there. But I had to make a, log- a lot of logical leaps that the, sh- the movie did not like what? present. Uh, okay. We're going we're gonna to fight. Okay, so with the orcs... What the fuck was the blooding ritual? Like, uh, they talked about being a blooded orc. What the fuck does that mean? 
They they didn't actually ever show... The cultural implications of that were extremely clear. Uh, except that... In that he was ostracized from... All you need to know is he wasn't blooded and therefore was not accepted as part of their culture. Yes, except that it gets brought up too often. Like, he... He uh, treated, I don't know Will Smith's character's name. I'm terrible with characters' Me names either. and stuff. <laughs> but his, I only watched it once. But like, his, yeah, his character, his character, he says, you're like a blooded human to me. Okay, I need to understand a little bit better what blooded means then. Uh, then at the end, the orcs just, why are the, why are the orcs just sort of waiting there? The same exact group of orcs that they had run into previously, were they just following them around all night, waiting for something to happen? They don't know what actually happened in that building to that he's laying there now. Why is he blooded now? But does the blooding process always have to be something? Like, the way it's portrayed in a lot of things in the movie tends to be, like, blooding into a gang, which oftentimes requires a... A sacrifice uh, or, a, or, a, it, or an initiation. Initiation that has something to do specifically with the the gang, the clan that is that street gang. But he didn't I do anything you, to do. No, but he didn't I, do anything. He sacrificed to, himself. But he didn't. He ran into the building to get his partner. But that has nothing to do with the orcs themselves. And since he's, you but know, I think they pro- recognized that his sacrifice is what like saved every fucking buddy. But he's already a police officer. First of all, no one... They don't care about that. Exactly. But if they don't care about that, why do they care that he went into a because building to save a police Because it them. Officer? But why, how do they know that? They don't know about the wand. Yes, they do. No, they don't. One of the whole points is that they're brushing the whole wand thing under the rug. They're trying to keep it secret. And but they did know about it. They were after it. No, the orcs weren't. The, yes, they were. No, the, 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 the Hispanic gang was. Nope. Not the orc We're going to have to rewatch this because the orcs, everybody, literally everybody was after that wand. Literally everybody was after that wand. Even though they fucking knew that you had to be like a one in a million Will Smith motherfucker to be able to, you know what my By biggest the way, problem that with was? that was some bullshit too. I'm saying, my biggest problem with the entire movie was as soon as you saw Will Smith was in it, you're like, oh, yeah, he gonna be the hero. And then like, he's the main character, so you know he gonna be the hero. And then they're like, oh, but only a bright can wield it. Yeah, that motherfucker yeah. a bright. Like, you just know. You're just like, no, that was my biggest problem with the entire movie the, is that, look, oh were... my god, that was so painfully predictable. There were a lot of problems. There were not a lot. Your hyperbole is showing. No, Pull your zipper up. I'm gonna I'm I'm show you a video. Watch it. Please just listen to some of the things that they're saying. Okay, we spent too much time on this. No, we haven't. We haven't spent near enough time no, on this. Look, we can have... We, look, we can make a series This is just <laughs> a, us angrily ranting at each other why one of us thinks something is good and the other thinks it's bad. It just, no, all, all I want you to do is admit that you're being a little bit hyperbolic and saying that it had a lot of problems. I'm not, because it also had a lot of problems with its, per, its specific portrayal of racism and its use of orcs as a substitute for blacks, caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. Well, they need to unbunch their underwear. No, there. Come on, man. There were that... a lot of problems. There, especially with their portrayal. How... Their portrayal of the fact that uh, the I, again, I'm terrible with names, but the orc cop and the fact that he is regularly portrayed as less intelligent than his human partner. And also, and also, less of a less intelligent, like, and more of a like, like he just naivety. doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have the experience. <sighs> and he was clearly portrayed as older and more seasoned. Like the dude's a rookie. Yes, but he's a fucking rookie. Yes, but then the point where he's like 
at the end where he's literally just spouting all of the incriminating evidence possible that could ever incriminate them in anything to the government. And his partner's just, shut up. Shut up. Stop talking. Shut the fuck up. But I think that was more, and, and again, maybe this is just my opinion. I mean, obviously that's what it is, but I think that was more in an effort to portray how pure he was as a being versus any attempt at contrived racism. No, it's not a thing that I think it was intentional, but I think they they very much missed their intention. Also, the fact that the orcs are literally bigger, physically stronger, hardier is, again, a very big stereotype of black people. I mean, it is. I'm not saying that that parallel or, wasn't or, obvious. Or how about let's let's talk about the fact that they literally call out the fact of uh, orcs being in sports more, but not basketball. Do they specifically say yes, that? Yes, they do. Okay, it's it. There are just uh, the fact that all of their the garb that the uh, orcs are portrayed wearing is very stereotypically black and urban. Is a well, I, oh. I think that there's a little bit of uh, misappropriation of correlation there too, but that just for that specific. But it, it's one example. Of... I'm not saying that that wasn't a clear allegory. Yes, but, but that the they pro- weren't obviously drawing a line between point A and point B, and both of those points were black. But the I'm problem. Not saying that. But the problem is that when you make those correlations, you have to be incredibly careful with how you handle it because you make a lot of subsidiary assumptions when you do so. So when you're portraying a fantasy race that is literally not human as well, a, yeah. a perfect analogy for a human race that is just part another subset of humanity, you get problems. See, but I think that the I think you have to consider intent here, and while we can't possibly know the intent, the conjecture that I would offer would be that it was an attempt at representation. And I understand that. It was but, a little ham-fisted and it was poorly done. Yeah, but that... But those, I can represent... But that doesn't mean that the movie had a lot of problems. It just means that it had a couple of big ones. There were... And it also doesn't mean the movie was bad because... No, overall, I really liked it. Because I think one of the things... I think a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. But if you can find me a single movie where there aren't protesters nowadays... And that's no. not that is not a political statement in any way, shape, or form. Someone if you will make a movie, anything. your ass is gonna piss somebody yeah. off. Well, that's, honestly, well, one of the big things, even acknowledging all these problems, I think one of the big things that people miss is that the movie's core premise was not about racism, and I think that's something that I took from it that not everyone does is that it was not specifically about race relations. So they that was weren't a backdrop. It was a backdrop. Yeah, it was a backdrop that they used as a a counterpoint to what the actual focus of the film was, which was heavily based on uh, police and governmental institutional corruption. While yeah. while the racism that is inherent in that was used as a plot point to illustrate it, over and over and over, the actual plot of the movie is showing where and how the administration of pol- of law enforcement of the government is corrupt and willing to cut corners to get what they want even when it is yep. for something good they are willing right at the end he says uh one of the one cop who died legitimately trying to protect them uh 
is honored next to all the cops who he himself had to shoot dead because they were gonna rob them for the one. Right. And he's just like, uh, they're they're honoring all these motherfuckers next to him, and it's not right. Because, yes, there's a good cop, and there were all of these other bad cops, and they can't do anything right. to clear to clear his name without blowing everything out of the water. Over and over again, it's about the corruption in the system. Yep. Instead of the racism. While the racism definitely, again, I mean, racism is, prob- is always a problem, but let me, yeah, and let it me is make problematic a for statement. that movie. Right. But it's not the focus. And I think that's one of the places where it's not as bad as people say it is. And I agree with you on that because it wasn't supposed to be the focus. And I think people focused on it a little too much. I agree that it is still a problem. And I could be totally wrong. And for a lot of people, I'm not one of the groups being portrayed this <laughs> exactly, way. Exactly. So if it is a problem for you, I'm not going to take that away from you. We're in no way invalidating whether or not it is a problem for you. I just think, and I again, I don't know that there's a way that you can overblow racism, especially because it's going to be involved, you know, it's going to be for each individual person and how they interpret it. Yeah. But to at the risk of making a polarizing statement, I'll say um, this, uh, that if this movie was made 10 years ago... It would have been... It wouldn't have been a big, as big of a deal if yeah. this movie was made two years ago. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. No, but that is that is an and important thing to consider. Uh, but that's that, that's my point. Is it, it, the release date like they? You can't tell me that somebody at Netflix didn't watch this movie and go, "Oh shit." You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like they had to have known, but still. Uh, so again, not saying it was a perfect film by any means whatsoever. Yeah. I just think that you're using a little bit of hyperbole when you say it had a lot of problems. There were some relatively large ones. I just don't know that I would agree that there were a lot of them. I, I think we can have a little bit more of a talk about this uh, later. But, yeah, uh, ultimately, I think it was a good movie. I think it did a lot of things right. Uh, I think it's a really interesting genre. If you guys are interested, we're going to be putting some links to... I'm putting all couple, the links Yeah, in. a couple of the, like the subgenres that we've talked about about uh and do do some research there's some fascinating uh works on uh cyberpunk on futurism on speculative fiction one of my favorites uh novel series is uh the book of the new sun it be warned it is very is very dense it is a uh, very Kobe hefty recommends read. a book you are going to need a wheelbarrow to carry it because uh, his favorite thing is reading things that are way too long <laughs> for any human being to carry with their bare hands it, it is it is very dense it is very it can be a tough read but it's really worthwhile if you like digging into that speculative nature uh, another really interesting one that's kind of dark fantasy but that is also technically speculative fiction is um uh, the Cold Fire Trilogy. Uh, another really interesting one that's really popular is... Uh, it, you're going to need a spreadsheet to read it. I'm sorry. But uh, The Dragon Riders of Pern by Anne McCaffrey. They are really good. Just, I don't know what the woman was thinking. Uh, like, I... Explain. There are so many books. Ah. There, there are so many books, and all of them are in different time periods. All of them are about different characters. All of them are about different settings. Uh, she sometimes jumps between 3,000 years ago, 300 years ago, 4 million years ago. Oh my the, gosh. the sentient telekinetic dolphins that helped the humans when they first landed on the planet. The uh, Shannara Chronicles. I never read it. No, have you watched it? No. 
I've never read the books or watched the movie, but that's supposed it's a show. to be and a b- series of books, the sort of Shannara. You said movie. Uh, oh, sorry. But yeah, uh, click on our links, read some of these books. Let us know if you read read any of the books. And as always, um, we would be very interested in your thoughts and comments on this. The Facebook has not been created. Maybe by the time I post this, it will be created. It all depends on how much on the ball I feel like jumping. And and hopefully by the time you listen to this in the future. Yeah, that was my point. Uh, you can definitely find us at Twitter. Um, so you can get to us using at MagWhisk. That's M-A-G-W-H-I-S-K, at MagWhisk. Uh, there have not been a whole lot of... Um, there's been no interaction there whatsoever. Um, I'll also make sure that I go ahead and link that in the thing when you click on the thing here. Um, of course, if you would, depending on... It really doesn't matter what medium you're using to listen to our podcast, a like a subscribe, a download, a comment, all of, any of those, even if the comment is a thumbs up, uh, just any level of interaction whatsoever would be deeply appreciated. And of course, we do this not just to hear ourselves talk. Uh, we would really love to hear what your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics that we discuss. And of course, would be more than enthusiastic to include you either simply by reading out your comment and giving a direct response or organizing at some point um, having your uh, oh so beautiful voice actually on the podcast did you have anything to add to that uh if you want to contact me directly you can do so through my facebook uh colby bastion it's pretty easy to find and i'm on twitter at lvndris91 it's the name that i use on most video games so if you play any video games and you see me on there go ahead and give me an ad i'd, I'd love to play league of legends with you uh there you go. play a ton of stuff with you so if you see me, add me, and we'll get on some stuff. And you can find me personally at RemyX0, the O is a zero. So with that, uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic day or night or whatever time period you're listening to this in, and we'll catch you next time. See ya!